Welcome back to the Content Swap Podcast. You are joined by Parker and Aaliyah. And if you're new to the Content Swap Podcast, this is a podcast in which we assign each other a piece of content at the end of every episode, engage with it for about a week, and then we reconvene on the podcast and we talk about it. And that's that's basically all that we do. Before we jump into the picks, we always like to give a little life update. If you want to skip to the picks, we've put the timestamps in the description, so feel free to skip ahead to those if you're not interested in our lives. <laughs> wow. I had to put that really like bleakly, judgmentally. Anyway, um, so usually you go first. So yeah, what's new in your life this week? Yeah, I mean, I'll keep this short and sweet because not much is new. Um, yeah, the school year started. Just figuring out my routine. Um, started playing Little Misfortune, which is a very interesting game, uh, video game on the Switch. It's spooky it's kind of eerie it's creepy it's funny but also disturbing and weird yeah i was listening (laughs) to you play it this morning and you play as like a little witch girl she's not a witch she's a little girl she's just a little girl (laughs) yeah with like a with an accent that you can't quite place yeah i don't know i don't know if she's supposed to be like She's got this German like, or like, cause like signs are in a different language and I don't know what language it is. Yeah. She's, I, and so, I don't know if it's supposed to be a specific language or. Right. If, yeah. I don't know if it's like an but actual language or it's not. It's a European sounding accent. Yeah. And in general, she just kind of has this like comical voice yeah. of delivering really well, like dry tragic yeah. information yeah <laughs> it's really she just, weird like says it so straightforward and it's like yep <laughs> which makes know. it like really funny it, yeah she's i mean she's hilarious like she just says these offhanded things and you're like are you okay which like clearly she's not and that's the point it's like uh, okay she's not okay like mm no child should be going through what she's experiencing and like that's the point she like she's going through these things but like she's young like how do you process that as a child so can you give an example of something i mean i feel like every i feel like this whole game requires a huge trigger warning okay okay like is there anything that's not triggering that you feel comfortable (laughs) talking about no okay (laughs) it's just like like she'll mention things so she'll mention like her, she, her mom likes to drink what she calls juice a lot. You can put two and two together of what her mom's juice might be. Oh, okay. You know, it's like her mom is heavily drinking yeah. alcohol. Um, and so what? Like, oh. Yeah. You know, she'll mention that a lot and like say things like that. Just like her parents dynamic her. But she, she talks about it in this like innocent, naive kind of way. Yeah. Like, like she'll, like you'll pass, you'll pass a store that sells alcohol and she'll be like, oh, I've been here before. Like, my mommy took me here and, oh, like, did this. And we got this thing. And like, and you're like, whoa. So it's like <laughs> this very dark, humorous tone throughout. Yeah. But it under the guise of being, like, a cozy game. Yeah. I mean, the, co- the cozy part of it, <laughs> cause, like, the, the cozy aspect to it is just, like, the look of it. Like, the aesthetic of it. It's, you know, it's kind of like 
fall like it's like set during like the fall mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like you're uh, sometimes you're like in the woods there's like leaves and like you know so that's like the cozy part of it um it's a very like 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 i said it's a kind of like a spooky game so it's yeah. like very octobery feeling okay which i feel like makes it cozy octobery dark humor yeah but um but yeah but yeah she's she's funny but like it's like a it's a I, I mean the game and the game plays with humor too like like i showed you this bird that they named oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't, we cannot repeat that yeah we can't repeat it's, it's very like family friendly yeah podcast it is, yeah it is not a game for children so be wary of that <laughs> it is definitely not a game for children um so like what's the core gameplay loop like what are you doing you're basically it's basically like a decision making game and so every decision you make has a consequence and you don't really know what that consequence is until maybe later in the game so for example like early in the game uh so you have a narrator and the narrator you don't really know whether you should trust the narrator or not which is also kind of a part of the game uh but he says you know you're going on this journey and you're gonna by the end of the you're, we're gonna play a game little misfortune uh and if you reach the end of the game you get eternal happiness and she's like oh i'd love that because my my life is sad and i want that <laughs> so like i want yeah she's like i want eternal happiness for me and my mom so uh so he's like okay cool uh well the first step is you know you need to leave the house so pick a toy you can bring a toy with you but the narrator tells you at the very like the no the narrator tells at the very beginning this is a little misfortune and she will die like this she's gonna die uh (laughs) yeah and uh what so yeah so you as the player are like okay she's gonna die how is she gonna die we don't know little misfortune thinks that she's going to reach eternal happiness so already you're like is the narrator responsible will the narrator be responsible for her death what is this whole thing with this game like and and then the narrator tells her tells you you know, every choice you make is going to impact, you know, the ending, the or just, or the, just, the just impact the impact the journey, the basically. people around you. So, for example, at the beginning, when it told me, you know, pick a toy, I could choose between a stuffed unicorn or I could choose between a stone. I chose the stone. Later on in the it's already game, sad. <laughs> oh yeah, um, the oh the backstory with about the stone was depressing. <laughs> What? There was a backstory oh, there for the a stone. Backstory for the stone. Okay. All right. What what goes on with the stone? I mean, okay. Big trigger warning here. Basically, the dad threw the stone at her. Oh no! Yeah, the dad is abusive and threw a stone at her, and she kept it and like threw glitter on it. So she like she copes by throwing glitter on things to make it sparkly. Oh my god! So okay. yeah. Okay. But. I was like, okay, well, this game has told me every choice I make is going to have a consequence. So I was like, I feel like a stone will be useful, especially mm. if I know, because from, from what I heard about this game of like, you know, it's a game of choices. I was, and I, I knew that the game was about, you know, this little girl like can die and like, you're kind of responsible for like, I thought what the game was is you're responsible for keeping her alive. So I was like, a stone seems way more useful <laughs> in keeping this little girl alive no, than a unicorn. No, it turns out harbinger for her abuse (laughs) well no so the stone was useful because way later on in the game after i played a little bit at some point she goes to the zoo well we need a distraction to get into the zoo because she doesn't have a ticket the only thing i could come up with was throw the stone at the window and it worked i threw the stone at the window it broke the window the person comes out to see what happens and she's able to sneak into the zoo so there's a lot of branching paths going on it's like a 
choose your own adventure yeah with dark humor and uh, yeah a narrator that you can't quite trust yeah now what i don't know is because what i thought was like every choice i thought you can make a choice and like you might die from that choice like right then and then like it could bring you back and be like do you want to choose other choice that's not what the game is so i don't really know it's- how i'll ever know what the what the other options would have led me to like i don't know what a because in the game, it's, the narrator says there are no right or wrong choices. Okay. So I don't know how things would go differently, per se. It sounds like, design-wise, that you're just along for the ride. And yeah. the only way that you would know things differently is if you played, played the game again and just made different choices. Yeah. So we'll see. But, yeah, it's a it's a weird one. It's, like, really tough content. But then you throw in these like wacky, kind of silly, funny things that just make you like crack up. And you're like, what is this? Yeah. Like, what am it's, I looking at? It's, it's dark humor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then like this little girl is like hilarious. But at the same time, you're like, oh no, sweetie, yeah. you poor thing. It's like a, oh. <laughs> yeah. It's like, a like awkward, an uncomfortable yeah, laugh. Yeah. You're like really uncomfortable. And you're like, oh no. And it's just it's weird yeah okay it's, and it's spooky too like there's parts where i'm like afraid to look at it so would you recommend it to someone i mean so far yeah <laughs> okay. I, I'm, right, I'm loving yeah. it because it's just like i've never seen anything like this yeah so i'm loving it okay cool and i think as somebody who doesn't like horror i think this is the closest thing to horror i could get not Coraline. Coraline is Coraline is not scary uh okay anyway <laughs> Well, it sounds to me like this eternal happiness is a metaphor for death for this little girl. So, yeah, that remains to be seen. But who knows? Yeah, I think there's like a whole added layer, though. I think there's like a, it's like there's two. You you have so you have these. You have the narrator who has an objective. Then you have this fox. But at the beginning, very beginning, you see this fox basically talking to like a grim reaper looking character. And the Grim Reaper says something to the fox. We don't know what he says. And the fox goes into this, like, portal that is where Little Miss Fortune lives. So you, by that interaction, you kind of feel like the fox is bad. But then throughout, you see the fox putting up these signs saying, like, hide your children. And you see that there's a bunch of missing children. And there's, like, these ghost children that Little Miss Fortune can see, but the narrator can't see. Oh, my God. And so I'm like, I feel like the fox is good. And he's trying to, like, warn people. Yeah. something shady's going on okay so there's this like meta level storytelling thing kind of going on yeah there's like information that i know that me and little miss fortune knows that the narrator doesn't know there's information that me and the narrator know that little miss fortune doesn't know okay so it's like i'm playing two sides i'm 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 receiving information from all different sides yeah and i know stuff that everybody does not know and i guess that's supposed to kind of guide my decisions so it's a it's a game of you know things other people might not know things and based on what other people might know and not know you base your decision based on that yes okay <laughs> <laughs> sounds really interesting anything else that you'd like to say about it no I'm just excited <laughs> to keep playing. I don't know how long this game is. Because, I mean, technically I reached the end of the game and the fox stole the eternal happiness. 
and left a note that said, I stole your eternal happiness. And so now what I'm doing is trying to find the fox to oh. figure out what's going on. Interesting. How many, how long have you been playing it? Not long at all. I mean, I've only played for a few hours. Okay, cool. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Sounds, <laughs> well, it sounds really interesting. I'd be interested in playing that sometime. Yeah. yeah okay. Cool. Any, anything else? Anything new that you'd like to update on? Um, nope. I feel like I just spoiled that game, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? Yeah, I kind of. I mean, I've, cause, I mean, I didn't anticipate some of that stuff happening, so. Well, I feel like the way that we talked about it was kind of like vague. I think it was confusing. Oh, and, yeah. It's very <laughs> I know. It, so, like, if it sounds interesting to whoever's listening, um, go check it out and you can see all this for yourself. I mean, there are things that you showed me or told me about this morning that you've not talked about at all right no. now. And I'm like, so I'm still intrigued based on everything yeah. that you just said. So I don't I don't okay. feel like you spoiled anything. Okay. Um, I, At least for me, the draw of the experience would just be like, playing the game having the experience not necessarily yeah. like the destination but more so it's about the journey yeah with something sure. like that yeah. for sure i will say i will not be playing this game at night <laughs> oh, okay interesting i do not i cannot play this game before bed it'll freak me out all right well anything else uh no i finished a i, I finished that book did i talk about that last weekend i can't even remember what book the it happened one summer i think in the podcast i, I called you it you didn't hook, even line, know the name of the book yeah i called it hook line and sinker which is the second book in that series but the first book i finished it happened one summer and i highly recommend i gave it four out of five stars you all know i don't give rom-coms five stars i don't know why i do that i just don't rom-com just can't be that good. they just can't be that good gotcha they're rom-coms they're not meant to be that good <laughs> no offense to like rom-com authors out there I feel so, like that's like a rude thing to say, but like, well, I, yeah, a four out of five rom com for you is a, a five, five out, out of five. five. Yeah, yeah. Right. so it's fine. So yeah, so I give it a four out of five. It was great. I mean, that's like you know, I can't say most comedy movies are five out of five because I would have to consider that movie. I would have to be like laughing my butt off every single time I watched it yeah every time for years for years <laughs> like it would have to you know withstand the test of time right and that's really hard to yeah. do so i don't i think uh i understand yeah like a rom-com yeah yeah for sure for sure like for something to be a five out of five it's really gonna have something to say mm-hmm. and rom-com has inherently it's, got nothing to yeah. say other than for your entertainment of like hey it just reiterations you can relate to yeah. this but like yeah they're just reiterations maybe, of the same not. thing over and over yeah but you just enjoy because of that consistency because you know exactly what to expect yeah same tropes exactly yeah it's not doing anything new no then how could it be a five out of five exactly i'm glad you understand yeah. <laughs> but yeah but it made me happy because like i posted a re- like it was like, not even really a review it was just like Oh, I got out of like I not even that I got out of my book slump, but like oh, I finished this book and I was proud that I did that because I've been in a book slump. Mm-hmm. So I posted that and I was like, I really enjoyed this book. And my friend Raven commented and was like, "Yes, I love your book recommendations. Like I love when you post a spicy rom com book and everyone that you've recommended to me, I've read and like enjoyed." So oh. she didn't say all that in the comment, but <laughs> so what? But I talked she to her. Say? She said oh, that she loved my in book person. Recommend- she said that. <laughs> she said she loves my book recommendations. But talking to her before, I always send her spicy rom-coms. 
And she's told me that she really enjoys when I send her spicy rom-coms because she reads them really fast. And so, yeah. Okay. But yeah. But in that comment, she did say. All right. All right. She loves. She loves your recommendations. My recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> Which made me happy. <laughs> made me want to read more. So, yeah. All right. Well, anything else that you'd like to update on before I provide my own updates? That's it. Okay. Right. Well, I've got not much going on. Uh, I think last time we recorded, I had already finished Final Fantasy 16, so I talked about that. Pretty happy to be done with that. Um, I Now, all of my focus is going into this game called Chained Echoes, which I've talked about a little bit. I've gotten a little bit farther, have played it, having played it today... And I got to this point, like the game teases it very early on that you have these like, it's a, it's an RPG, um, like it feels kind of like a classic Final Fantasy type of game. Um, but at the beginning of the game, you get access to like these sky armors, which like are basically just almost like Iron Man suits, but mm-hmm. with that look like knights, but, and they're also like really big, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, maybe like 20 feet tall kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And I just got access to that. I'm like 14 hours or something into this game. And I just got access to like, like it's always just been, you know, uh, characters feet on the ground, uh, you know, fighting people like normal, like classic JRPG would be. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, I've got access to these sky armors and it not just impacts the battle system Mm -hmm. and the fights that I like how the fights are conducted when I'm you know in battle against somebody but it also impacts like where I'm able to maneuver in the game's world Mm -hmm. which I really like it's kind of um if you've played like a classic Pokemon game they have these things called HMs like Mm -hmm. surf or fly or cut like there are moves in Pokemon that once you get access to them, you can teach them to your Pokemon and then you can like surf on the water or you can like, you know, cut down trees that open up new areas. Mm-hmm. So I really like that they, the designers of this game saw the opportunity with these like sky armors to do something really cool, not just like change up how the combat system works mm-hmm. when you have a sky armor on, but also like, they can fly and you can now like navigate to places that you maybe have already been to, but, um, you know, find new things there because you've got just newer gameplay mechanics, uh, or newer, uh, what's the word navigation abilities. Uh, just, uh, you know, you can maneuver through the world in a different way than you could before. And you can find, you know, new stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I love it when games do that. And Yeah. So I'm really excited on this game right now. There's another RPG like that's kind of pixel style that comes out in a few days called Sea of Stars, which I've been really excited about. It looks really cool, but I don't want to like play two of these at the same time. So I'm just focused on Chained Echoes, and then I'll probably put all my focus into Sea of Stars after that. And then the entire month of October is going to be like too many games to possibly play. It's like... Alan Wake 2 comes out, Super Mario Brothers Wonder comes out, uh, Spider-Man 2 comes out, the Batman Arkham Trilogy comes out for the Switch, which I'm really excited for because I love those games, um, the Metal Gear Solid, like, Volume 1 Collection, Metal Gear Solid Collection Volume 1. Snake Plissken? 
yeah, Snake Plissken, um, of Metal Gear Solid's one, two, and three. That comes out at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Detective, like detect, yeah, Detective Pikachu comes out on the Switch, which I'm kind of curious about. Mm-hmm. So it's like, did I just name like six things? That's and a lot. Two of those things are a collection of three games. So that's like ten games. That's a lot for impossible. one month. It, it is impossible. I mean, there's no way I'm going to play all of those. Mm-hmm. Like, no way. I mean, some of them, like Super Mario Brothers Wonder or uh, Detective Pikachu, I imagine those are going to be like under 10 hours. Something like Batman, I know those take like 10 hours. And then Metal Gear Solid, you could probably finish those in like 5 to 10 hours. But then, like, Alan Wake 2 or Spider-Man 2, those mm-hmm. could be anywhere in, like, the, I don't know, 15 to 20-hour range. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad at least these games are not, like, games that would exceed 20 hours because mm-hmm. if a game is going to exceed 20 hours, I really got to, you know, mm-hmm. be into it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'd be, I'm going to try to play at least some of those. Mm-hmm. We'll see. See yeah. what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's pretty much all that's going on on the video game front. We did this weekend, we did a puzzle hunt in our local town, which was really fun. It was the second was annual fun. one that was hosted by the radio station. They turned mm-hmm. the whole town into just like a big escape room, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They gave us five different, they gave us like a map, and then they gave us five different like mm-hmm. coordinates on the map mm-hmm. and we had to basically follow each of those until we like got to some kind of final hint and we had to collect yeah. all five of those hints and then come back to the starting area like three years later or sorry, three, three years later <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's really they're playing the long game on this one we've been working on this for three years y'all. yeah uh no we come back three hours later <laughs> And then they gave like the final hint and, yeah. um, and we had like, there were, you had to call phone numbers. Yeah. You, like you really had to piece it together. It, it was really cool. Yeah. It gave me mad respect for people who create puzzles. Like yeah. I was just, the whole time. Dissectologists. I was just like, but is that like people who create puzzles or people who just like really, really enjoy, enjoy puzzles? puzzles. Yeah. 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 Like people who create puzzles. Like for like the the people who created this puzzle in particular, I'm like it's one thing to you know develop an escape room. There's one well, depending on I guess the escape room that you're establishing. It's typically just like one room. Yeah, I mean it's a lot of work to know. make an escape room, but yes. in this case it was it was a whole t- like you a had whole, to get the community it was on blocks. board. Yeah, yeah, it was blocks and blocks that were all tied together, different you know locations, different you know restaurants and stuff like that that were all kind of tied in with things. Yeah. And, like the public library, things like that. And it's like to have all of that kind of mapped out and right. to have like the coordinates of all the streets and all the blocks. And there were all these people at these different stations that were involved with the event and they had to have very specific instructions. Like yes. they were, they were basically told like every person that you talk to, they'd be like, I don't know what it means. I just know what I've been told to do. Right. And they had to follow their instructions to a T yeah. to, to make it all work. And yeah. it did. It yeah. was really impressive. Like there was like, there's a, a movie theater and there was like a poster specifically for this puzzle. Like, yeah. That they was they like, like made up a yeah. fake movie. Like a fake, fake we, movie. we had to, oh my gosh. Yeah. We had to follow these, 
we found these like missing dog posters or they were called found dog posters which yeah. i guess is better than doing a missing dog <laughs> well but, there was one missing dog oh that's right but yeah. that that was that wasn't like a publicly put up poster that yeah. was like people who were involved with the event yeah. being like oh we're missing our dog yeah so they would give you that and then you'd have a phone number mm-hmm. on the dog poster and you'd call that and it would tell you like oh the dog yeah. like got some ice cream and ran away and there's an ice cream symbol on your map so you gotta go to the ice cream symbol yeah and there's a bunch of different symbols so you know some of these symbols are you know some may might be something and some might not be something at all yeah so you gotta you gotta follow up on those and then you kind of like you piece together another phone number, and then we called that phone number, and it was like, "Oh, thanks for calling Movie Phone." Yeah. Uh, like uh, the Showtimes for, for Barbie the or Barbie or blah, this, blah. the Showtimes for Oppenheimer or this, and the Showtimes for the reunion are beep, and it just cut off. So then we had to walk around the corner yeah. to the movie theater, and we saw a poster for this fake movie that said the movie was going to be taking place at like. And it was like a seven, legit poster. It was like a legit poster, like. <laughs> In like one of those, on one of those ca- in one of those case things yeah. for the movie theater, and it said, you know, the movie's gonna be at like seven fifty six p.m. or something. Yeah. So it's like, oh, we we had a list of like numbers, and seven yeah. five six was one of them, and that mm-hmm. gave us the hint there. It yeah. was really well made. I was yes. very impressed. Yeah. Uh, WTJU ninety one point one FM. <laughs> it was well made. Well done and very difficult. Like really. It was a hard. It was a hard puzzle. It was very it was hard. A very puzzle. hard puzzle. Yeah. yeah. Um, which like I mean I appreciate because like you know you know you don't want an easy puzzle and then you're like well this was kind of lame like it was right. too easy right um you need you want something that's gonna challenge you but it wasn't too challenging to where like you know not everyone's sitting there like no one can figure this out like why like no one's gonna win like people were able to win and everything like that and everyone was pretty close to winning I think so. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought they did a great job. Yeah, it was a great time. Yeah, took up like five or six hours of our day. Yeah, on a Saturday, we had like a moment to get grab a beer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, and we just got to kind of learn a little bit more about the local community and meet Mm -hmm. more people. And yeah, it was overall just a great time. And and so many people showed up. Yeah, I was so surprised at how many people were participating. Yeah. It felt like it was like the whole city was participating. Right. <laughs> and and we like, were still able to find parking yeah. without it being a hassle. Yeah. So overall, like, great time. It was. 10 out of 10 way to spend your Saturday. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And I will have to do it next year. For sure. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's all the updates I've got. Um, nice. Want to go ahead and get into the picks? Sounds good. All right. You are talking about my pick from last week first, so yeah. go ahead. Ugh, let me sit up because my arm's falling asleep. All right, so last week I was assigned a movie called The New Guy, which came out in 2002. Um, and so, that came out in 2001. Oh, goodness. I'm always like a year <laughs> off in yeah. my years. I just look it up and they always get... Okay, well, 2001. I just look it up and then they give me the year and... Yeah, it's sometimes always it's like uh, you know premiered at a film festival in two thousand one, but then it came out in theaters in February of two thousand two. So, but oh my gosh, okay, yeah, well two thousand and one, early two thousands movie, yes, two thousand and two. You were right, I was wrong. <laughs> All right then, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, so this movie follows a guy named Dizzy Harrison, who is played by DJ Qualls. Um, and he is a nerd who is going into his senior year of high school. And he hopes that this is the year he's no longer going to get bullied. Um, unfortunately, this is not the case. And he immediately gets like humiliated on the first day of school. And it's kind of like the laughing stock of the school, as he has been for like the past you know, a few his years. His whole life. Yeah. His whole life. Yeah. Um, and so because of this incident, he decides, he creates a plan and uh, there's a, there's he a piece goes of, to jail. Well, yes, point. he goes to jail. I'm going to take that part out for just a moment. I'll come back to it. But because of this whole experience, he concocts this plan to get expelled from school and transfer to a new school under the guise of like a new cooler persona. And he kind of constructs this persona with the help of some prison inmates. Now, how did he end up meeting prison prison inmates? Um, Basically, when he got humiliated at school, they sent him to the, like, nurse's office. She prescribed him some medication for Tourette's, Tourette's, which, like, makes no sense. And, like, that's the point is, like, she doesn't know what she's doing. She has no idea what she's doing. Yeah. So she prescribed him some medication. It made him all, like, loopy. He went to the mall. He, like, basically took over this, like, sermon that was happening, got in trouble, and they threw him in jail. (laughs) Um, And so he became friends with a guy in the prison and the guy was like oh yeah i can i can help you like you know make people afraid of you and like show the these bullies like he's like prison's basically just high school like i'll help you you know show the bullies who's boss and yada yada so that's how he ends up kind of getting mentored by these guys at the prison um so yeah so he successfully gets expelled from school after a few attempts took takes him a few attempts um and he transfers to a new school so at the new school, he becomes super popular. So his plan works. He creates his persona. Um, I think his name is Gil. Like that's yeah. What he, calls he goes himself. from being like Dizzy Gillespie or Dizzy Gillespie Harrison, and then he becomes Gil Harris. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he does become super popular. Um, blonde spiky hair yeah (laughs) but this comes at a cost as you can imagine of losing his old friends so he's no longer like really associating with them anymore because now like the popular girls the cheerleaders are into him one of which is eliza dushku who he really likes um she's starting to hang out with him so he's like not really hanging out with his friends anymore um and he begins to realize that people may not like him for who he is like Gil this persona he's created isn't really who he is um and so he's like okay well if I end up showing if I end up telling the truth to the school you know like will they accept me and so yeah basically at the end of the movie uh he kind of has to come clean because a football player or one of the one of his old bullies uh plays their team plays Dizzy or Gill's new team or like his new, new high school his team. new school's football yeah. team football yeah. team recognizes him and is like what the heck like that dude's a nerd and like now he's like this popular guy and like everyone loves him like he's lying to you all and so the kind of bully at Dizzy's new school is no longer like no one messes with him because of right. like he's no longer the king yeah he's top. no longer the king 
Um, and so he's like, what do you know to the other guy? And so they concoct a plan to expose him, expose Gil slash Dizzy. Um, and so they show that. And so then the school is like making fun of Gil slash Dizzy now. Yeah, they like first. they re- they reveal it to both high schools. Yeah, yeah, and so he's like, "Wow, like no one accepts me now that they know the truth. That sucks." Um, and then Eliza Dushku is like, "Oh, you lied to me. Uh, that sucks." And so his old friends, <laughs> you know, his old friends take him back, and they're like, "We love you. That's all that matters." Um, but then eventually Eliza Dushku comes around and is like, you know what? And by eventually you mean like three Two minutes. seconds later. Yeah. Two yeah. seconds later. She's like, you know what? I also like was being fake because I used to, you know, I pretended to like be blah, blah, blah to be popular. I get it. And then all the other students are like, we get it too. And then all is well. <laughs> yeah. And it, in his... In his journey to stardom of becoming, like, the most popular guy at his new school, he, like, starts to blur the boundaries between all of the cliques. Like, he kind of, all the, like, the bullies were picking on, like, you know, the band kids or something. But then he ends up making friends with the band kids and yeah. also making friends with the football players. And mm-hmm. so he just kind of blurs the lines and yeah. then it's like everybody's everyone res- able to yeah. become friends. Yeah. Everyone respects everyone and there's yeah. no like bullying. It's like, or- wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so silly. Um, so yeah. So my thoughts about this movie. Yeah. This movie's super silly. Yeah. <laughs> like it's super, it's super simple and it's dumb. Um, but it's surprisingly still enjoyable. Like I had a good time watching it. I thought it was cute. Um, Dizzy is like such a charming character. And I think, I think had this been casted with anybody else, I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. Right. It wouldn't have worked as well. Yeah. But like DJ Qualls, I think was a perfect cat like per- was perfectly casted in this role because he's just like like just like the way he looks he's like this like scrawny like kid i don't know how old he was at the time of like oh uh, I don't, yeah I don't yeah know. but he like looks like the scrawny kid and like he's just he just like seems like such a sweetheart um and, and he like, was 23 probably when they filmed okay and like seeing him try to like take on this cool persona it's like super funny to watch and it's so like he's so awkward and like gangly <laughs> and so like seeing him try to like do all these things is like just really funny and like it somehow works out for him and you're just like what <laughs> yeah. So, yeah when i it was interesting to watch as an adult because i was very young when i first saw this movie i would have been like eight years old yeah at at the youngest yeah um and i remember watching this movie and thinking that when he goes from being Dizzy, the nerd, to like Gil, the cool guy, it was like a seamless transition for me. I was like, whoa, he's, he's like so cool. super cool. Everything he does is cool. And then wa- we watch it now and I'm like, oh, like even Gil, he he's he like, like doesn't know cool how to be cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He was like watching this dude like be weird. Yeah, yeah. Like he's trying to be cool, but ultimately he's weird. But because he's like mysterious, yeah. yeah. Then like he ends up doing cool stuff completely on accident. Yeah. Like he, it's like he's just confident, and because he's confident now, yeah, yeah it yeah. comes off as cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Um. Yeah. No. It's. It's just, it's charming. Like, it, yeah, like it's, said, I mean, it's a yeah. silly 
teen comedy movie from the early 2000s like it's the epitome of that oh for sure which like along like speaking of that as well like what did kind of surprise me because it's early 2000s you know early 2000s humor is so problematic like usually like going when we anytime we go back and we watch these early 2000s movies you're just sitting there like this is so cringe like oh no like all the stuff they're saying which like not to say that this movie doesn't have those moments it definitely does um however it kind of surprised me like i feel like it was a little bit more i think i expected more cringe yeah than i actually felt watching this movie yeah i was i was like pleasantly surprised to find that there was like this core message in the movie or it was like you know we don't have to fall into these cliques and we Mm -hmm. don't have to like bully people because they're different from us like we could all be friends Mm -hmm. even though it's portrayed in this like simple teen comedy movie Mm -hmm. kind of way Mm -hmm. it's still like I was happy for the characters for the little high school universe that they created for themselves you know like oh how that's sweet yeah yeah for sure yeah Okay, anything else that you'd like to say about it? No, that's really all I have. Uh, All right, so I've got some little little facts. Mm -hmm. Not that many facts. Mm -hmm. Really, like, not that many at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So for the football scenes, he, like, his new high school, their football team supposedly sucks, Mm -hmm. and then suddenly they go to the state championships and go against his old high school, and... uh, the only reason that his football team was able to be successful was because he like motivated all of them to become confident because they hadn't won a game in like five years or something. And then he, there's this like reference to, he does this whole performance as like an army general Mm -hmm. that is apparently a reference to a movie called Patton. Mm -hmm. And because he tells everybody like, yeah, we're going to win. We're going to try hard then they start winning and they start trying hard and then at the end when they're going to the state championships it's like the whole town comes together mm-hmm. and it's like this brave heart sequence mm-hmm. um so yeah just wanted to i guess call attention to those references Patton and braveheart mm-hmm. um so this movie is full of tons of cameos yeah which are really random and i couldn't figure out what the through line was <laughs> i mean there is there is a through line i yeah. couldn't figure out like why though yeah you know? um so okay well there yeah <laughs> um some of these cameos include vanilla ice mm-hmm. tommy lee from motley crew mm-hmm. gene simmons from kiss tony hawk david hasselhoff and apparently Henry Rollins from mm-hmm. the band Black Flag, he played the warden mm-hmm. in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also a bunch of rappers in the movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any of them, mm-hmm. so I didn't list their names out in my notes. Mm-hmm. But um, Jermaine like, Dupree was in it, I saw. Oh, Jermaine Dupree. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. That's right. Um, yeah. And then there's like Jerry O'Connell is also in this movie. Mm-hmm. And he had already been in like scream 2 at that point this is like five years or so mm-hmm. after scream 2 mm-hmm. so like he didn't need to be in this movie mm-hmm. probably um mm-hmm. and he's in this movie with his brother charlie o'connell who looks exactly like him mm-hmm. so it's like what there's two of them mm-hmm. and apparently they improvised like they were just in one little party scene but they just improvised most of it like yeah. they climbed this uh the swings at one point and yeah. they just 
They weren't instructed to do that. They just did that. Honestly, that was the best part of the movie because I was like, there's two of him? Yeah, yeah. He's a brother? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's like, it's really funny because they go to this high school party and there's like ramps out front and Tony Hawk's doing tricks and one guy's like, like the the girl who owns this house like got tony hawk for her party this is so awesome and it's like what it's like this movie's like a time capsule right it's like put the most early 2000s things in here right boom like tony hawk had already had the tony hawk pro skater games coming Mm -hmm. out he'd already done the 900 um you know like what okay yeah throw him in yeah so with there being like henry rollins vanilla ice gene simmons um and all these rappers it's like okay there's a through line of like musical artists Mm. but i don't know why Mm -hmm. it's like musical artists and then you got tony hawk which like i don't know i think about the tony hawk games yeah and the soundtracks to those games Mm. and they're very like of the time like yeah late 90s 2000s pop punk yeah kind of stuff and i feel like skating culture and hip-hop culture a lot of times go hand in hand right yeah so there's that's just going on i don't know maybe it was I, david director, hasselhoff like, though i don't he came out of nowhere i know but i like i don't know i mean he's on baywatch right he was on baywatch i mean and then tommy Anderson lee was on baywatch and she was married to tommy lee all right there's your through line <laughs> tommy lee there's and david connection. hasselhoff knew each other yeah. tony hawk it knew people from licensing their music. I mean, they all know music. each other. Hello. They're all connected. It's all Hollywood. It's That's all inter- the entertainment biz. That's true. They, they were just like, other. you want to be in this? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. They all know each other. All right. Well, let's see. Other facts that I have is that the high school that they filmed at for his new school, it had just opened like in real life. So it only had ninth and 10th graders attending the school. Wow. Which is why they were able to film there because a lot of it wasn't really like populated oh. with students, but none of those students could be extras in the movie because they weren't 18 yet. Yeah. So a lot of faculty at that high school got to be extras in the movie. Nice. Yeah. Cool. They also had replaced the school's marquee in the front of the, of the high school to be like the film's high school mm-hmm. name. So that led to a lot of confusion with parents and school buses <laughs> dropping off the kids. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> right. Um, apparently there is an uncensored version of this movie. And in that version of the movie, uh, Miss Pierce, the nurse that like prescribes him the medication for Tourette's, she, she like has a whole like unspoken relationship with his dad yeah um in this movie in this part of the movie it's like they spend a lot of time together and it's not really clear like what's up yeah but apparently in the uncensored version of the movie um she becomes his stepmom by the end of the movie oh lord yeah what is this movie rated it's pg-13 okay yeah I, that's what i thought because i was like this movie is pretty tame i mean by the uncensored version i mean like the director's cut okay. you know it's okay. like it, there were some other changes but they weren't really that interesting but this, okay. I, I guess like the other change would have been that his his mom like had divorced his dad yeah. when he was young yeah but like that's whatever yeah. you know but yeah the school nurse becomes his stepmom by the end of the movie okay i imagine this movie is so differently because i think because of the movie poster i thought this was more of like a raunchy comedy right and so like 
that's why I was like, oh, this this movie kind of surprised me. It was pretty tame. Like it, it was, was like, very yeah. Tame, yeah. I was like, it really was like it's just it's kind of wholesome, you know? Yeah. And so like I, I yeah. like the whole crazy eyes thing. That's so <laughs> you've been doing it all week. I know. <laughs> it's like cracking so, me up. Eddie Griffin plays a character named Luther. He's one of the inmates at the prison, and he's the one that like primarily mentors Dizzy to yeah. become you know this new persona. And so he is known at his prison for doing like the crazy eyes at people, which every time he does it to people, there's like this whiplash sound. <laughs> and like, yeah, he's like, <laughs> um, and so uh, Dizzy starts doing it to people at the new school and it like does the whiplash sound too. And everyone and just like backs up. Everybody's like, oh. like, whoa, when he does it yeah. every time, no matter what. It's, it's so dumb. It's so dumb, yeah. <laughs> it's so silly like the yeah and even when when the two bullies reveal to both high schools at the homecoming dance that Mm -hmm. like he's not who he said he was yeah then like the prisoners from the the prison that he was at like basically come and like save him and take down the bullies and Mm -hmm. um you know back him up and stuff Mm -hmm. and it's like that's just it's just one of those movie logic things where it's like why is he able to hang out at the hang prison. out at the prison come and go and hang yeah. yeah hang out with the inmates and then the warden is able to bring some of the inmates out of the prison to come back him up it's like that is not the american uh <laughs> prison system that i know yeah anything goes they just do whatever yeah 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 so as far as the film's reception yeah um it has what would you guess as on rotten tomatoes it's probably like it's out of 100 percent, right yeah probably like 27 oh just (laughs) seven single digit (laughs) yeah i've literally never heard of this movie in my life so like i'm sure it was like people like what is this well the budget was for uh sorry the budget was about 13 million and it grossed 30 million so made its money yeah yeah there you go those are all the facts that I had. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was fun. Yeah. I, I, I watched this movie so many times. Yeah. Because we owned it on DVD. Mm. And yeah, I just thought it was funny when I was like, I don't know, in second yeah. or third grade. Yeah. And yeah. I and I had not watched it since. Yeah. And I, I remember, I remember like, I remembered everything, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like Tony Hawk's going to be in this. Mm-hmm um the crazy eyes you know all <laughs> all of that yeah yeah so glad we watched it yeah that was fun i enjoyed that it was a good morning watch yeah we, we watched, watched it, it early in the morning yeah cool well ready to move on to some not so fun yeah things. so my assignment for this week was law-abiding citizen it's a movie that came out in was it 2010 let me double check 20 2009 i think really yeah law abiding 2009 2009 wow okay yeah get your years straight okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah no you're you're right i'm actually i'm i am the problem (laughs) you are the problem (laughs) making me think i'm crazy gaslighting me (laughs) yeah my bad i it is not my intention to gaslight So, Law Abiding Citizen is a movie that came out in 2009. It stars Gerard Butler and Jamie Foxx. Gerard Butler's character is a husband and father, and one day his wife and daughter are killed by some home invaders. 
And one of these invaders, there's two home invaders. One of them is worse than the other, but the one that's worse than the other testifies against the not as bad one. And because he does that, the not that bad one gets put on death row and the super bad one basically gets five years for third degree murder. He only ends up serving three. And Gerard Butler is not happy about that. Mm -hmm. And his lawyer, Jamie Foxx, insists like, hey, this was the most effective way that we could take these guys down given their like given the options that we have in the justice system. It's either it's either they get off scot free and we lose the case or we take this deal and this is what happens. Mm -hmm. And so Gerard Butler, not so happy about this. Skip ahead. 10 years later whoa so the guy that got put on death row is now going to be executed but what was supposed to be a simple execution ends up being super duper intense because the way that they executed him was through the use of three different chemicals that are supposed to basically make it like he falls asleep and he dies but by the time he injects the third chemical he kind of like just has this horrible reaction and just like really seems to suffer in his final moments so they're like um what the heck that was not supposed to happen so the police are like well maybe let's go check on the other guy um who was involved with this guy's case well it wasn't just like let's go check on the other guy well they, they were, were like, like who so has motive they were like someone tampered with the stuff and on the back of one of the chemicals on the thing it had something that the other guy said oh it, it said like the thing the about fate, fate. Yeah, yeah you can't and fight so fate. they were like well the only person who said like we've heard say this is that and other that guy. guy so maybe yeah. he did it yeah okay yeah. so so the police are like we need to go check on the worst of the two guys that's been running free for darby the darby they, yeah yeah they need to go check on darby who's been you know free for the last seven years so he's Darby is just chilling at home. He gets a phone call from a mysterious voice that basically tells him, Hey, police are coming. You need to get out of there. And he, he runs off. He starts shooting at the cops like an idiot. Um, but he is told by the voice, there's a police car. The voice says, I've already tased the officer that's in that police car. So you can get in the car and you can take off in the car, like with the officer in it. And it turns out that the officer, once they once they drive off, you know, Darby and this police officer that he's basically taking hostage, they drive off, they're somewhere safe. Turns out the officer was actually the guy on the phone, and both of them are actually <gasps> Gerard Butler. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. <laughs> and he is out for revenge on this guy who basically murdered his family. So he basically kidnaps that guy, then takes him to a warehouse that he owns and tortures the guy and then leaves him there. And then knowing that the cops are going to find it and suspect him because he owns the place and he has the motive to do it, he surrenders to the cops. Now, I'm spoiling this whole movie, by the way. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty old at yeah, this yeah, point. Yeah. I, just for the listener, in case they were wondering if I was going to spoil this or not, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing the whole movie. So once he's been detained, Jamie Foxx is trying to basically get a confession out of him. They're like, we've got nothing on him. We need a confession, which like, I feel like they have quite a bit on him. Just because he owns the building. I get it. Doesn't mean that that is enough evidence. All right. All right. All right. Well, anyway, Jamie Foxx is trying to convict him. 
but he, Gerard Butler's being all difficult. He's saying, like, you can't prove anything. I'm not convictable based on the things that I've said and the information that you have. Uh, you know, like, it doesn't matter what you... It doesn't matter what I can say or whatever, what you think. It matters what you can prove in court, which is what Jamie Foxx had told him 10 years prior. So he's, like, rubbing that in Jamie Foxx's face. So even though he is in custody, now it's like everybody that was involved with the trial 10 years prior of the two guys that murdered his family are now, he's basically punishing them, but he is still in prison. And like, by punish, I mean like, somebody will be found buried alive or like the judge, the judge of the case answers her phone and it blows up in her face and they're like oh my god like we know he's the one that basically set all this stuff up to get these people killed but he's in prison currently like we he's currently under arrest before we can fully convict him so he's like hey i was right here i don't know what you're talking about so <laughs> people just start dying in these like really crazy ways that can't exactly be connected to him because he's in jail. And so it's like, did he really just plan really well? Like, what the heck's going on? So then at some point, Jamie Foxx and his boss meet up with this guy who used to... He works in the government, or at least used to work in the government, with Gerard Butler back in the day. And it turns out Gerard Butler is this guy that used to work for the Department of Defense. He, like, tinkers with machines... And every time the Department of Defense needed some special way to, like, assassinate somebody or something or, like, take down these people that are unkillable and make it look like the U.S. didn't do it, I guess. Um, yeah, it's like basically needs – when they need somebody to die, but they don't want to be in the room. <laughs> like, right. they, like, they need it to, like, no one's there. Right. He's the guy to call. Gerard Butler is the guy. <laughs> and it's like, that's when we find out who he actually yeah. is and why he's able to pull all of this stuff off. So, yeah. the um, Yeah, they find, they find the lawyer. The phone blows up. Yeah, yeah. Um, a bunch of the lawyers from the law firm that Jamie Foxx works at, they get in their cars. All the cars start blowing up. And it's like, oh, my God. Um it all culminates in him trying to take out the mayor of Philadelphia, played by Viola Davis. And it turns out that he's able to plant all of this stuff despite being in custody because he got himself put into solitary confinement and he had set it up so that he bought the warehouse that's next to the prison, dug a hole, and then dug a tunnel and tunneled up to all of the cells that are in solitary confinement and set it up so that if he ended up in solitary confinement, which he did so very much intentionally, that he could get out of whatever solitary confinement cell that he got put into. So, which is nuts, by the way. That's that's <laughs> wild. Um, there's no way. I but, think that tunnel system probably existed, but he probably found the tunnel system i don't know because there's no way there's no way he himself could have dug all of that dug all of that yeah i mean i guess over the 10 years maybe like but like, he, like they should have been, been able to find him. out they would have found him so i feel like there's no way he could have constructed all that i feel like i'm pretty sure he did because otherwise it makes no sense 
Like we are supposed to believe that this man put all of this together. Otherwise, like the prison, I guess. the prison would know. Hey, there's all these ways out of the prison. solitary confinement through this yeah. tunnel to this warehouse right next door. So like it's, that's true. it's yeah. So it's that's like movie logic. Like we just have to believe yeah. that this man over the course of ten, 10 years, years did all that. D- did all this by himself. Wow. So it culminates in like he leaves this napalm bomb napalm bomb in a briefcase underneath like where the mayor and all the other important people of the city are going to be holding some big meeting and he is trying to take down the system that failed him and so yeah he leaves the napalm bomb like a floor under where they're all going to meet jamie fox and his associates find that bomb and when gerard butler goes back to his cell to be all like oh it wasn't me um Jamie Foxx is there to meet him with the bomb and he locks him into the cell and he lets the bomb detonate and Gerard Butler dies and all the killing stops and everybody's fine because now he's dead and the end. <laughs> that's it. It's like, how did Jamie Foxx get back there before? Right, he- right. How did he get back? Like, <laughs> right. That's, I was thinking about that when I was writing my summary for the movie. I'm like, yeah. he got out of jail, planted the bomb, and then dipped. And then Jamie Foxx and friends find, find the, the bomb. bomb. And they're like, all right, let's go back to his cell that he's on the way but to. But then they but discussed they, for a minute because they, they were like, what kind yeah. of bomb is this? How long do we have? Right. Where is he? They got back before yeah. him and then blew him up and it's like yeah what (laughs) (laughs) it's okay we don't ask questions (laughs) right so that's basically the whole movie yeah um it's called law-abiding citizen because he's like i'm a law-abiding citizen i'm in jail you can't pin these things on me Mm -hmm. so like if you approach this movie with any shred of logic like it really does fall (laughs) apart um It wants you to stay within the confines of what it's telling you within this movie logic space. And if yeah, if you go outside of that at all, it just really starts to make no sense. You could kind of pick it apart really easily. Even like the fact that this home invasion that happened to him and his family was random and he just so happened to be like this mastermind assassin guy. It's like, what happens when somebody invades the home of an assassin i guess john wick um (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah he just starts pulling off these impossible feats of murder Mm -hmm. um yeah but like still though despite all of that Mm -hmm. and that being like i don't know the central gimmick of the whole movie Mm -hmm. and it not working super well it's still very entertaining movie yeah i I did kind of expect it to be a little better. Like most people mm-hmm. I talked to were like, oh yeah, Law Abiding Citizen is great. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, So I was a little surprised at like how easily not believable this mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. could be. I think the great where the greatness shines for this movie is not necessarily the believability of like what he's doing. I think for me, what makes this movie great is like the the like morality behind it all (laughs) like like because like like with gerard the commentary on the justice exactly like with gerard you're like i understand why i understand why i understand why he feels this way i understand like 
our justice system is so broken. It sucks that like these things happened to his family and like that was the outcome and like you know this horrible person only got th- like got to walk free after three years like that is terrible now he should not <laughs> just be going around murdering folks right. like the way that he, he did <laughs> he blames everybody that works within the justice system for but it's not even that he's it's not that he's well, like he decides, he, 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 they, bla- he does blame the people who like work directly with the case. But when he starts to, but he decides that like well, they need to die because of that. Well, so yeah, so like obviously he kills the people who like actually caused harm to his family. Then he like starts to harm the people who were working with the case, like the the judge and stuff like that. But it, from my what I get from it is like it's not necessarily that he's saying they deserve to die because of the outcome of it. It's more of like, I'm making a statement. I'm doing this big thing in order to get everyone's attention of like change the system. So to me, it's not necessarily him being guided. Cause like at some point, Jamie Foxx is like, you're doing like, what is like vengeance? This is about vengeance. And he's like, no, it's this not about, about vengeance. Yeah, like, it's you not think about- this is about vengeance? <laughs> I know. He's like, it's how not crazy about is that of an idea to <laughs> yeah. think that it's vengeance? Of course it's vengeance. <laughs> like, part of it, yes. But like, he's, I, I think his motivation is not, I'm going to kill you because of like my family's dead. It's like, I'm going to make this statement. The only way to make the statement is if you die, because Basically, no one's going to care unless people are dying. Okay. I guess he's also saying like, all of you are dying and it's obvious that it's me, but because I'm a law abiding citizen, technically in the face of the law, right? then there's got to be it's something like, wrong with exactly, the system. Exactly. It's the system, yeah. you know, like, this is just me making an example of how the system's broken. Exactly. So I feel I feel like that is what makes this a good a really good movie. All right. I see that. And that makes sense. I will say the system wins in the end. <laughs> yes, cuz he ends up dying. He ends up dying and, <laughs> and no changes, <laughs> no changes get made to the system. It's not like they don't have a final scene where it's like the Gerard Butler act uh, <laughs> Uh, just got passed and we fixed the justice system. It's like, you know. That's a downer because it's been a really long time since I've seen this movie. So when it did end, I was like, well, dang, all that was for nothing. Right. <laughs> but, uh, I yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe Jamie Foxx's life was changed and I don't know. He can pass a law that <laughs> helped pass a law that changes things. Mm. I don't know. Sure. Who knows? But um, but yeah. So, I don't, yeah, I don't really know where. I don't even know how where the movie would go from there. Honestly, after all that mess happened, but it just needed a little something. Like once they kill Gerard Butler, the movie ends within a minute. Yeah, it kind of it kind of goes off the rails, and there's no kind of reeling it back in and tying a bow on it. It's just kind of like that escalated. Yeah. Yep. So. I feel you on that. Yeah. Well, then we finished that depressing movie and watched the last 30 minutes of The Flash afterwards. (laughs) That made it a little easier to fall asleep. (laughs) Yeah. Which, The Flash, by the way, eh, eh. Well, you can save that for another. Yeah, I'm not here to talk about that. But anyway. Yeah, Lie-Abiding Citizen. I don't have any other notes on this movie. Okay. So hit me with the facts. I really don't have too many other too many facts. Um, so 
Gerard Butler was a producer on this, um, on this that movie. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, he was originally going to play Nick, who is the lawyer that Jamie Foxx plays. And Jamie Foxx was originally going to play Clyde. Um, but either through the suggestion of Gerard Butler or through the suggestion of Jamie Foxx, it's unclear who suggested what first. Um, it ended up getting switched, as we see in the film. Um Gerard Butler also stated in an interview that this, so there's a scene where he uh, gets to eat a steak dinner while he's in prison Mm -hmm. uh, with his cellmate. Mm -hmm. um, And he unfortunately uses a bone from that steak and uh, murders his cellmate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's it's pretty brutal. That's the event that gets him put into solitary solitary confinement. confinement. Um, So that scene... Uh, originally, the MPAA gave the film a rating of NC-17 because of that scene. Really? Um, yes, because I guess it was just like really brutal. Oh. Um, I mean, even in the rated R version, it was pretty brutal. Yeah. So the what we saw is an edited version with less blood. Oh. Uh, there was so much blood There in was that so scene. much. Like, <laughs> the walls were painted. It he was, was painted. He's yeah, covered in it. Yeah. And he literally is like, I need a shower, Warden. Like, it's a lot. So that was, we saw a less bloody version of it. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Which is wild. That is wild. Um, I'm like, how are they not drowning? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Um, so I feel like this movie makes a lot of ref- like Greek mythology references or like Greek references. So um, I only wrote down one, but there's a few others. But the security guard, so there's a scene where, uh, this is when Gerard Butler's character is sneaking into the city hall to plant that bomb yeah. uh, under, you know, Viola Davis and, and colleagues uh, meeting. Um, and so he's dressed up as like a janitor. And so the company that he like is working for, that he has like clothes for, yeah. is named uh or he's greeted he's greeted as with a name nomos like nomos the, yeah, the yeah. security guards are like hey nomos um and so that is greek for law which just like adds to you know the whole underlying story of like what this movie's about about the law and like Lame. yeah <laughs> justice all nomos of that nomos law yeah. Ooh, whoa. <laughs> what is this? oh sorry there was a piece of fuss That's i like- thought it was a bug <laughs> That's a that is a weak reference. I thought you were gonna give me like you know how the Warriors was about this like French war story or, or like ancient oh. French story I'm sorry. or ancient Greek story. I don't I don't know why I'm saying French. Um, yeah. but like you know how like yeah. the Warriors was actually an adaptation of like some mm. story. I thought you were gonna say no. that. There's You're just telling me that the word Greek his, or Greek word. The Greek word for laws, yeah. nomos. There's also like that some, was his alibi. There's also some um part in, in the movie where he's like I don't quite remember this fact, but I think he's like tinkering with something and it has like wings on it and it's like a reference to what is his name? Daedalus, uh sure. who like created the wings for Icarus and it's like he when Icarus flew too close to the sun and then it's like uh a reference to like in this movie, his own creation ends up destroying him and like all that. They're, stuff. they're trying. Yeah. They're trying. <laughs> anyway. I, I see it. <laughs> I get it. Anyway, uh, you mentioned this movie kind of ending abruptly and there was no real, you know, resolution. No real resolution. 
well, perhaps we get one because apparently there's a law-abiding citizen too in the works. <laughs> Why? What are you talking about? Is who's gonna be in it? Is it like Jamie Fox gets back at the system? Yeah. I don't know. I have no. There's. I did not find. Well, I didn't look too hard, but I didn't find any details on what the story is. It's apparently supposed to be produced by Gerard Butler again. I don't know. And this was the articles I the articles that twin brother (laughs) the articles that mentioned that there was a a, a number two a sequel in the making came out in twenty twenty two so I don't know where they're at with it oh wow okay this is it's pretty recent so I don't know where they're at with it but apparently and I don't know I don't know if it's gonna be like a continuation of this story or if it's gonna be something completely different somebody else gets failed by the system I mean everybody's getting failed by the system honestly. It's just a documentary of real life. I mean, <laughs> honestly, go watch the 13. There we go. Goodness. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess that sounds like a direct to DVD kind of kind of sequel. TBH. Directed. Do they make direct to DVD? Does anyone have DVDs anymore? No, yeah, it's all just direct to streaming. Yeah, direct to streaming. Which I guess has made all movies a little bit better but there there are still like i've seen samuel jackson and like bruce willis in some pretty bad direct tv or not direct tv direct to dvd movies in the last i don't know 10 years you know they get a pass sam jackson has been in like like 70 something movies like Like, sharknado those are all you know first of all those are oscar winning movies or like death race death race one had Jason Statham in it and was like a theatrical movie. And then there's like, you know, they got Death Race 2, 3, and 4. All. I don't even know what those are. Yeah, they're, it's like real life Mario Kart, but <laughs> with prisoners. <laughs> what? And it's dangerous. How does that man have a career? Isn't he in the Meg? Jason Statham? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Meg too. That got a theatrical release, believe it or not. Mm. Yeah. Is he okay? Yeah, I think he's doing just plenty fine. <laughs> he's been doing Fast and Furious movies. Oh, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> is that supposed to like make it sound better? <laughs> he's making money is my point. Like, he's in two blockbusters this year. Yeah. Making money. He's making very, very high billing. He's making top billing for Meg 2. If that's what makes him happy. I mean, yeah, he's been typecast at this point into a very specific... That's type fair. of role he just plays the transporter but in different situations i've never seen the transporter i haven't either but i know what it is you know <laughs> all right i mean no judgment to jason statham do you i mean he's doing better than me <laughs> yeah don't badmouth that man Anyway, shall we pick our assignments for next week? Yeah. Now I'm like, oh, I should give you Death Race. Um, oh, no. <laughs> it's on my list, but <laughs> no, maybe not this week. Yeah. So do you want to sign or shall I? will just go for it. I'm okay. already talking. Um, I'm going to assign you. I don't really have a reason. I just wrote this down a while ago. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to assign you A Beautiful Mind. That sounds familiar. Yeah, it stars Russell Crowe. Mm-hmm. I think that's his name, Russell Crowe. <laughs> I know my actors pretty well, and I've just kind of been forgetting so many people. Um, yeah, Russell Crowe. It won Best Picture in like two thousand or two thousand one, hmm. 
And Gladiator also came out like a year or two prior to it, or maybe give or take, uh, maybe after. Also starring Russell Crowe, and that also won Best Picture. So, wow. Yeah. But uh, no, we're not here to do Gladiator. Have you seen Gladiator? No. Oh. No, we're doing A Beautiful Mind. <laughs> um, I think you'll enjoy it. Okay. I hope it uh, holds up, but it's it's an interesting movie. Okay, cool. All right, um, so I have a few questions for you. So I want to give you a movie that's based on a true story. Okay. Um, the first question I have for you is... A Beautiful Mind is also based on a true story. Oh, nice. Look, we got a little theme going. Yeah. Um, so first question I have for you is, do you want a movie based on a true story that is bad and kind of comical? Or uh, do you want one that is like a pretty good movie? I mean, mine's a pretty good movie. Okay. Maybe we stick with pretty good okay stick because pretty i feel good. like if we do something that's bad and comical with mm-hmm. my movie could be in poor taste okay okay so in that case do you want a movie about a musician or do you want a oh movie? you got like branching <laughs> yeah choose your own adventure going on <laughs> yeah here. do you want a movie about a musician or do you want a movie that is about sports Ooh. okay mine is well mine is about like a university professor. Hmm. So, which do you think would fit better? Probably sports. Sports? Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, then that settles it. So, I'm going to give you the movie Radio, which sounds like it's music. It's not, I promise. <laughs> and this is a good movie? It is a good movie. It, uh, why have I not it's heard Cuba of it? Gooding Jr. Oh, okay. And, oh, what's that one guy's name? I think it's a good movie. Ed it Harris. has its flaws. There's a particular flaw I have with it, which we'll talk about, but... Ed, oh, Ed, Ed Harris is in your movie? Yeah. Ed Harris is in my movie. Oh, my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> so wow. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. All right. Next week, the theme is true stories with that are Ed semi-decent <laughs> and are... Yeah, have Ed Harris in them. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I'm just awesome. gonna put a big like Ed Harris on the front. <laughs> I'm going. We're gonna have two different versions of Ed Harris on the podcast thumbnail for next week. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. That's awesome. <laughs> I love how that worked out. All, All right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx you, me so. Good. I was just about to say. That. Oh my god. I was just All right. That. All right. Let's wrap this up. Bye. So next week we'll see you for let's see it'll be radio radio and a beautiful mind yeah all right we'll see you then have a good week and stay classy San Diego <laughs> <laughs> see ya bye.